Thank you so much for letting us be a part of your family, part of your lives this last uh, few days. It's a real honor and a privilege to serve the Lord with such an aggressive assembly in terms of reaching people for Christ. Um, I've used you as an illustration. Uh, Malcolm knows this uh, to be a fact because I was preaching at Westlake Bible Fellowship one time up in Westlake, Ohio, and talked about you guys. Uh, not the whole sermon, of course, but I, as an illustration uh, in terms of how, how assembly should possibly reach out uh, to people. And it's fantastic, you know, especially I mentioned that map in the back. Uh, and that's, that's, that's really cool. I mean, you go to, I've gone to a lot of different assemblies, and it's not as aggressive as you guys. And it's cool. It's really cool to see, you know, going to Holly, I call it Holly Weird uh, Beach. But I, I used to preach on Holly Weird Boulevard in Los Angeles, and it definitely was weird. <clears throat> but not this. This was really cool. Okay. A number of years ago, I was a part of a um, mission organization in which they had a candidate school. And uh, we were teaching a seminar on open-air evangelism, and they, one of the guys that was taking the seminar was a really nice guy. And uh, he was from the South, and he was up in Chicago. He was a really nice guy, and he wanted to be a part of that organization, and so he wanted to be a candidate for the, the organization. And uh, so the powers that be asked me to interview him and uh, see, you know, why and all that kind of stuff to get his testimony, or not just to see what he wanted to do. And uh, th this particular fellow had a problem, a major league problem, a problem that nobody wanted to sit next to him for. And that problem was hygiene. He didn't smell real good. He didn't. He just didn't. I mean, he was, he smelled actually kind of bad. And when you're in a hot van traveling to a spot to do open-air evangelism, and then you do all the stuff you got to do and you get back in that hot van, and you're going, oh. And it was really a challenge. It was. I'm telling you right now, it was a challenge. And they said to me, the, the guys that wanted me to interview him, they said, we also want you to speak to him about his personal hygiene. I thought to myself, why do you want me to do this? Why do you want me to do this? And so I, I sat with him. I went to this, it was at Moody Bible Institute. I sat in the chapel with him, uh, just he and I alone in the chapel. And I said, hey, bro, uh, I mean, how do you bridge with this one, right? And I said, okay, give me your, get, tell me your testimony. Tell me your testimony. He said, well, I was raised in a Christian home. He said, but I did not believe it. I didn't believe any of it. And he said to me, he said, I was, um, I grew up, I was drafted in, into the army, and I was sent to Vietnam. And uh, being a grunt, going through the jungle, he said, we were on patrol one day, and uh, we came across the North Vietnamese regulars. These guys are nasty. And uh, he said, we got in a firefight with them, and he said, it was really really, really tough. He said, uh, we were in a firefight and they were giving human wave after human wave against us. He said, we were firing our M16 so much the barrels were starting to get hot. And he said, it was just really, really hard. And we were fighting and we were backing up a little bit. 
in our position, and my I was in charge of the radio man. The radio man was right next to me, and I saw a hole, and I shoved him in the hole because they were going to make a human wave, a, a rush at us. And he says, I shoved him in the hole. I, put, I, I uh, was standing there, and all of a sudden, as I shoved the guy in the hole, he said, I felt uh, something hit my arm, and I thought my arm blew right off. It was an AK-47 shell. Blue, he said, I switched. He said I, th I, th he said, I thought my arm was gone. He said, I caught my rifle, I put it on spray, and I, started I just waited. And as I was fell backwards into the hole on top of my radio man, this is what he's telling me. He said, I asked Jesus to be my savior. He said, Father, forgive me, I'm going to die. I'm so sorry. Would you be, would, would Jesus, you know, Jesus, would you be my savior right now? Forgive me of my sin and be my savior. He said, as I saw the clouds, as he was falling backwards, he did that. He said that, we were waiting for that human wave to come, and it never came. For some reason, the North Vietnamese never came. They never rushed us, and the battle was over. He said, my arm didn't get blown away, but it got hit right here with an AK-47. Did not break the bone, but then he showed it to me. He showed me this massive scar on his forearm. He rolled up his sleeve, showed me this massive scar. I said to him, Thank you. And I didn't address anything about his personal hygiene because he smelled sweet to me. <laughs> I'm not talking to him about it. Those guys, those, those higher-ups want to know about his personal hygiene, let them talk about it. I just, want, I just said thank you for your service. Thank you so much. And I was impressed with his, with his willing to die for his country. And uh, I, just, I, I just couldn't do it. And he had this massive scarring on his forearm. And that was a mark there that was just impressive to me like crazy. The title of my little discussion this, this evening is Marks That Make a Difference. And the passage I like us to go to uh, is Psalm 1. Psalm 1. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 1, I'd appreciate it very much. Uh, and I think you will too. Psalm 1. And notice what it says. This is uh, six verses. It's not a very big psalm. It's the word of God. It's powerful. And uh, notice what it says. Verse 1 of Psalm 1. Many of you know this by heart, I'm sure. It says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We're going to concentrate on the first three verses on this. And this is where we're going to entitle this one, Marks to Make a Difference, because this psalm, God shows us three marks of a fruitful Christian life. 
three marks of a fruitful Christian life. What are these marks? Well, in verse 1, God shows us the mark of right posture. And then in verse 2, of a rich program. And verse 3, a result in prosperity. But notice verse 1. A right posture. A right posture in his walking, standing, and sitting. Look at verse 1. Notice these three words here. Actually, it says, blessed is the man. That's the, Greek, the Hebrew word, ashir. It means, oh, how very happy. Every time I think that or say that, I think of that, oh, how happy he hath made me. Oh, how happy he hath made me. Right? You ever hear that song? You just did. <laughs> what? Okay, so... You know, oh, how very happy, Ashir, you know. Think of that. Oh, hi. Sing it with me, will you? No, never mind. That's right. That's right. Blessed is the man. Oh, how very happy. Now, notice what he is saying. Oh, how very happy. Will, how you get there? Oh, how very happy is that man that walketh. Now, notice the negative action here on this. He says that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But notice what he says. Walketh not. Walketh not. Now walking, uh, when you walk, you walk very carefully sometimes. And uh, some people just, you just don't walk. You walk very carefully. Hopefully you walk uh, very uh, circumspectly. If I'm walking down and I see this box and I boom, you know, this kind of thing, I'm walking and trying to see where I'm going. And uh, that's exactly how I want to do. But this has a little clearer action on this. This means it's like a New Yorker walking. You ever see a New Yorker walk? <laughs> it's really intense. I followed a person, I followed a guy one time I said, hey, just wanted to let you know Jesus loves you. And he just kept walking, didn't even look at me. So I followed him. I said, hey, just wanted to let you know Jesus loves you. <laughs> the guy didn't even look at me. I said, I'm here. Cachito ergo sum. I think, therefore, I am. I'm here. You know? And I followed him all the way down. I'm here. But this is how the, the words walking is used here. Notice, blessed is the man who does not walk after the counsel of the ungodly. Hey, what do you got to say to me? What do you got to say to me? I want you to advise me. Walketh not in the counsel or the advice of the ungodly. You know, the world wants to tell us how to live. How to, how to be the person we ought to be. I mean, they want to do this. TV people want to do this. Advertisers want to do this. The government wants to do this. They want to tell you what you can, what you can't do, etc., etc. We do not follow the advice or the counsel of the ungodly. Now that'll fly in the face of conventional quote-unquote wisdom. That will. It'll fly in the face of the, of the conventional quote-unquote, and I put it in quotes there, wisdom. It's not wisdom of all, at all. A lot of people want us to do something. You know, listen, you know what you need to do. You need to uh, if you have a, on a date, you need to protect yourself on a date, you know? And so what they do, and they, they were doing this in New York City one time, passing out condoms in fifth grade. I mean, it's just, is this, that's the wisdom of the world? It's just, you know, this is what they were, they were doing. 
Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel or the advice of the ungodly. I don't know how politicians do it. And these guys that call themselves Christian politicians, they say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a solid Christian, and, but yet they make compromises. They follow the wisdom of the world. They follow the advice of the ungodly. Maybe just to get elected. I don't know. But the thing is, if you want to be a godly, happy person, you have to not follow the advice, not walk, you know, follow it hard after the advice of the ungodly. Nor stand in the, in the uh, notice what it says, stand in the way of sinners. Now this standing, this standing here is an interesting, an interesting way of standing. It's just not like, You can tell, you can talk, you can probably read people like I can, maybe. You can see somebody, if they're standing like this, right? Would you say hostile? Would you say, I'm against you? I know you can't move me? You ever have somebody like that? Okay? Uh, in basketball, they, we set picks like that, you know you know, we try to set a pick to block somebody off, you know, and you have to stand, stand there tough, this kind of thing. This is the way it's worded. This is the way it's used in, this, in the Hebrew here. Or standeth in the way of sinners. This is really talking about here, uh, you know, standing here uh, very fast in a figurative manner. Uh, to be fixed. To be fixed. And so, nor standeth in the way of sinners. In the way of false step or a way of sinners. Uh, and so you look in this way, it's the trodden path. <laughs> this is called, in modern day English, peer pressure. The trodden path is peer pressure. Do it this way. Follow it this way. Everybody's doing it this way. The trodden path. That's exactly what it means. The way nor standeth in the way of, of sinners, nor standeth in the trodden path. In other words, you're not fixated, you're not set in this way that these people who miss the mark are going. Now notice what it is saying. Blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. You've placed yourself in that way. It's not like you know, just stumbled upon it. You're putting yourself there. You're placing yourself in that way. You're saying, for whatever reason, I, I want to be cool with them, or I want to, you know, I, I like their advice, I think that they're really good or something, whatever, but I place myself in there. Is that possible for a Christian to do this? Yeah, you betcha it is. You betcha. That's why the warning. This is why the warning. Blessed is the man. Oh, how very happy. We follow the advice of the un ungodly. We stand in the way of sinners. We will not be happy people. We will not be blessed. We will not be blessed. Notice what he says. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth or in the trodden path of sinners. And then notice what else he says. Nor sitteth 
in the seat of the scornful. Now, so notice the posture here. Walking, now standing, now sitting. Uh, it's tough. It's, if I'm standing like this, uh, my friend Greg Steigelman, he's a pretty athletic guy. If I'm standing like this, he could move me. He could do that. He could probably just come up and shove me out of the way and that kind of thing. He could do that. He's a strong guy. He could probably do that. And some of you could easily do that. But I want to tell you something. It's tougher to move me if I'm sitting. Now notice the posture. He's walking. Walking in this. He's following this. Now he's standing in the way of sinners, in the way that they're thinking, the way that they're going. Now it says, nor stand, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Scornful. It's an interesting word. It's an interesting word. The seat of the scornful, the habitation, the place of sitting down. Seateth in the seat. Uh, one, the NIV translates this mockers. Mockers. To deride, to mock anyone. Scoff at. Uh, with the, that is with a frivolous, uh, impudent person who sets at naught and scoffs at the most sacred precepts and duties of religion, piety and morals. They mock it. They think it's funny. All you got to do is turn on the TV on any night of the week during the school year and watch NBC, ABC, whatever, and they're mocking things that are sacred. Easy. You can do this easy. I mean, you can just watch it and watch them mock something. The Christian never get. You ever see a TV show, ever see a TV show on the public airways that said this is a fortuitous thing to be a Christian? Isn't your morals great? No, it's not that way. I would say 99% of the time, what's really taking place is they're saying that this is right wing, this is limiting people's freedom, all these kinds of things, right? Why would I sit with that? and mock along with them. He says, don't do this. So don't walk with them, don't stand in their path with them, and don't sit down with them and start to mock, too. Not only you won't be a, you won't be a happy person, that's for sure. You won't have that sheer. You won't be over how very happy. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when Lot, Abraham, Abraham's nephew, Lot says, I mean, Abraham says, pick what you want. Pick what you want. Our, our, our guys are fighting. Our, we got too much, too much here. Let's separate. You pick what you want. I'll give you the best of what you want. You take whatever you want. Where does he choose? Sodom and Gomorrah. He goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. He starts going down, 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 right? He, gets, he gets, goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Abraham, God speaks to Abraham, tells him how much he's going to have and wherever his foot treads, as far as the, you know, the stars, as many as the stars, as far as he can see, this is what God's going to give to him, the land, right? The Abrahamic covenant, a powerful covenant, which has not been fulfilled and will be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. But now you have here you have here that uh, Lot goes down to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now you say, Lot was not saved. Could not have possibly been saved. 
He would never have done something like that. Except for one little verse, one little verse in Peter, which called him righteous, called him just. Not just Lot alone, but righteous Lot. And what did Lot do? What was Lot's big thing about, about being in Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, most of the crowd, most of the guys, he had daughters, right? I think they were married. Is that right? Am I right about that? Were they married, but they never... I forget if they were married or not. It I just escapes me at the moment. But they had daughters, but not with any man. Why? Because all the men of Sodom and Gomorrah were homosexuals. <laughs> and so Lot, I mean Abraham, pleads for Sodom and Gomorrah. If there be ten. If there be twenty, right? If the, please, and he's making, he goes up to fifty. If there, he couldn't find them. Couldn't find those many righteous. Couldn't even find ten righteous. God said, I won't destroy it. I won't destroy it for that ten sake. He couldn't do it. Couldn't find them. So he sends, God sends two angels. Goes down into Sodom, right? To, to get Lot out of there. Lot, Lot brings them in. The people, the men outside are pressing because here's some new guys. They're angels. Don't mess with angels. They're inside. They're pressing the door. Can you imagine this place being inundated with all? And they want to know those guys in a sexual way. They want to do that. They want to do all kinds of debauchery on these two new guys. And Lot says, oh no! He stands out there. They almost beat him up. They almost, he stands out there. And could give us those guys. He says, well, how about you do with my daughters whatever you want to do? This is a guy who is called righteous. Do whatever you want with my daughters. Can you imagine something like that? No, we don't want it. We want those guys. And so the angel comes, one angel comes out, opens the door and pulls Lot in and then strikes those guys blind. And then says, we're going to deliver you. We're going to take you out. And he didn't want to go. It says, while he lingered. He didn't even want to go. While he lingered. They, they delivered him. And then Lot's wife. We know the story about Lot's wife, right? The old look behind. <laughs> it's a salty affair. And she, she, was, she paid a huge price. And Lot, Lot I mean, you know, when you think of Lot, you don't think of a stellar Christian. You don't think of that. But he was considered righteous by God. And this is, the, this is the key thing. Can a Christian, can a Christian have such, can, and be a Christian, and have such lousy testimony? Because we have stood. We have walked in the counsel of the ungodly. We stood in the way of sinners. And we sat down among the seat of the scornful. Could, you, could Lot possibly have ever said, oh, how very happy? No. He would never say that. In fact, Lot probably says, regret, 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 regret. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. But notice what he's, the psalmist is saying. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now this is an interesting thing, because not only, not only, 
does God show us the mark of a right posture, but also shows us a rich program. Notice what he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight. Um, I have to tell you something of a very personal nature. I love fantasy fudge. I said this one time and somebody made fantasy fudge for me. But I love it. Fantasy fudge, you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever heard of fantasy fudge? Oh, you guys in Florida. I mean, this is a... Okay, here's the, here's the ingredients. Marshmallow cream, four cups of sugar, two sticks of butter. Sticks, not, you know, not... <laughs> two sticks of butter. And uh, uh, what's that? Those little, those little chips? What is... Um, Come on, Kelly. Huh? What is it? Chocolate chip cooked with with his toll house. What a they're little those little things. A little chocolate chip to give me zits. That's right. To give me little pimples and everything. Okay. And then you you mix it up and you do like this. It could if you don't do it right with a you know you get a lousy temperature on it. It makes like a brick. But if you do it right and you mix it all up and you melt the thing and you then then what you do is you let it cool and then you cut this no nuts okay then you take it and then put yourself into a coma <laughs> it is I mean that's exactly what you do you know the pancreas is going no <laughs> insulin and you're going <laughs> that's what you're doing right and so and so what happens is you know you, I've made this stuff and I got to make it for my daughter-in-law she, she's begging me for it and she'll make me a pot pie if I do it Anyway, I, I'll, I'll make this and I'll, I'll take a piece and, and I just go, you know, it's, it's really, I put it in my mouth and I go, mmm. Mm. I want to gargle with this. I don't want to swallow it. <laughs> I'm sloshing it around. Mm. Oh, man, this is so fantastic. This is exactly what it means to delight. It's to delight yourself in this. I want to tell you something about delighting. Notice what he says to delight. But his delight, blessed is the man, and notice the negative, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but, contrasting conjunction, his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. Now notice what it's saying. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, uh, for us... On this side of, of history, we have Old and New Testament. The law for us is the Bible. It is the Supreme Court from which there is no appeal. And the Bible, we look at the Bible and we go, wow, this is fantastic. This is so good and we delight in it. And I want to tell you something. I'm not, you might look at me and say, Chris, you're very heavy. It's because I'm here and ate that food. Okay, if I'm looking paunchy and all that kind of stuff. And I tell you, a lot of, unless you have a gland problem or you have, uh, you know, some kind of a situation where you can eat whatever you want and it doesn't show. First of all, you make us sick. <laughs> secondly, secondly, it's, you know, some kind of a problem because I do that, man, I'm, I'm blimping out. You know, my pant sizes are getting, you know, bigger, number and all this kind of stuff, Right. I love it. Listen, when I get bigger, it's because I'm eating. And when I don't, 
When I start shrinking, it's because I'm not eating. Simple. You can send me whatever amount of money you want for that advice and all that kind of stuff, the infomercial, all these diet pills and all that kind of stuff. Take in or don't take in. Makes the difference. Okay, you got a picture of this? This is true spiritually. The more you take in of the Word of God, the more you let the Word of God into your life, the more you delight in it. You start asking yourself the question, where have I been all this time? Why haven't I done this more? Why haven't I thought about this? Notice what he says. The delight of the Lord. The delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. He looks at this and he goes, wow, this is life itself. This is fantastic. And you don't get fat with this. No, no, uh-uh. No, you don't get, you got healthy. You get happy. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now this is really cool because I'm just thinking about the, the idea of meditation. You know, you've got you know, transcendental meditation. You've got the weird Eastern Hindu guys and all this kind of stuff, right? And uh, Yag, Yag, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi teaching us that meditation will bring serenity and cure heart disease and all this kind of stuff. Is this the meditation he's talking about? The answer is no. The meditation is thinking. It's not amusement. It's not non-thinking and putting ourselves into a state of weirdness. It is thinking about something. And notice what he says. But, is the, in, his, but in the law, but he... De, uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Meditate. I was thinking about this, and I was out in the country one day, and I was watching some cows coming out in a farm. It was a farm in New Jersey, and I was watching some cows. Do you ever see a cow eat? People ask me, me being vegan, where do you get your protein? I say, where do cows get it? Because I never saw a cow attack a dog. <laughs> you know, I never saw a cow attack a lion or anything else like that. Cows, this cow, hugest head I've ever seen, comes out lumbering out of the pen and comes like this. And he's, <laughs> he, he looks at the ground. What a life! He looks at the ground and he goes, Hum. and he doesn't have like big fangs or anything. He's got these molars that look like grinders. And he goes, like this. he doesn't like wash it off first, rinse. I mean, I would be rinsing. If I was a cow, I'd be going, can't get any water. I could just rinse this a little bit. He's going, and he goes. This is going to be great on the tape. People are going to be going, fast forward? What? What's the deal? And they're just chewing, chewing, chewing. Chewing. Then he does something that almost made me sick. He goes like this. Not this part, but what I'm about to tell you. He goes. I'm going, whoa, baby. <laughs> and then he keeps going. How many stomachs does a cow have? It looks like I got about six. How many does a cow have? Four, right? And they just go through, and they, they regurgitate it, and they chew it. And they go. Mm, mm, mm. And they swallow it again, and then they do it again to grind it up to get as much nutrients out of it as they possibly can. 
That's meditation. That's meditation. They meditate on this. It's, you know, saturation. They get it in them. They have it. They delight in it. They saturate themselves with the law of the Lord. And in His law doth He meditate day and night. When was the last time, I want to ask you a question, when was the last time you looked at a verse in the Bible and just thought about it and looked at the Hebrew, looked at the Greek, whatever, and said, Lord, show me, teach me, guide me, let me think about this, and you just thought about it all day? When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you looked at the Word of God and just didn't do the, our daily bread Word of God thing? You know, 15 minutes, I got down, I'm out of here. See you later. Give me the coffee, and I'm going. And no, no, you think about it. You're actually meditating on it. You're praying about it. You're, as they say, chewing the cud. You're, that, you're, you're going and chewing it and chewing it and chewing it. You might even look in a, in a uh, what do you call it, commentary. Or you might look in a, talk to another person. What would you think about that verse, brother or sister? Minister to me. Show me what you think about that. Meditating on it. Thinking about it. Getting as much nutrient out of it as you possibly can. Oh, how very happy. Oh, how very happy. Meditate. And notice what he says. Meditate day and night. Uh, you know, the word meditate also means to mutter. Martin Luther said it was like birds chirping. When he talked about meditation, it's like birds chirping. Especially good in 6 o'clock in the morning when you're trying to sleep. Shut up! You know? But I tell you something, when you meditate like these birds do, and you think about it, and you're chirping it all the time, it just becomes a natural part of your life, and you're going to be really thrilled. You'll be going, hey, do you know what the Word of God says about this today? And you're just going, oh, how happy you have made me. Oh, how happy you have made me. Right? Why? Because His Word gives you hope. It's not... Dr. Phil that gives you hope, or Oprah that gives you hope. It's the Word of God that gives you hope. And I want to tell you something, this little, little tidbit. It's the only thing that will give you hope. It's the only thing. You, you can read Napoleon Hill, Sink and Grow Rich. You can do all the time management courses you want. You can write down your whole life and see what you want to do. But Stephen R. Covey, he died. If you don't know who Stephen R. Covey is, the seventh... Seven, seven ways to highly... What is that? You know what it is. <laughs> he was a big high, highfalutin, time management type of guy. He said some really cool things. But this Mormon, Stephen R. Covey was a Mormon, and he died in a, a bike, bicycling accident. Now, we're all, I know that all of us are going to die, this kind of thing, but I want my life to count. I want my life to count, and I want my life to be productive, and I want, to, I want to have that peace. I want to have that joy that when we trusted Christ as our personal Savior, that we thought we were going to get. And we did get it. But why is it robbed from us? It's because we're following what the world is telling us how we ought to be happy. And what God says, here's what you ought to do. Oh, how very happy. Oh, how very happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he 
Meditate day and night. And notice what else he says. Not only does he tell us, gives us the right posture and the rich program, but the resultant prosperity from this. Notice what he says in verse 3. And what? And he. This is the generic. And he shall be like what? Not going to be a tree. Going to be like a tree. This is a simile here. And so he says, and he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It's not the prosperity gospel here. This is a life planted and the taproot. You know, I, I was, um, I was uh, a landscaper for a while. And notice what it says, and it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. We, we were tasked one day, and the landscaping company was hired by this woman to take her evergreen bushes out of, this is in Ohio, take her evergreen bushes out. You know how hard that was? We thought, oh, this is a piece of cake. I mean, roots and all, right? She wanted us to take it out. These are old little guys, and they, they were about this high. You know what I'm talking about, these evergreen things, and... And uh, we go, no problem, no problem. So we started digging around, digging around, and we're going, <laughs> they weren't budging. So what do we got to do? So we started digging around some more. We got kind of serious. Oh, yeah, you're going to mess with me? I'm going to take this bait. <laughs> now we're getting sweaty, dirty, the whole thing. We're going, okay, now. <laughs> it wouldn't budge. So we got an ax out. <laughs> We pull that, we got all these guys, we're pulling this bush, this big evergreen, it's about this tall. We got pulling this bush, and the guy's going, eh, 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 cutting all the peripheral roots. It wouldn't budge. Oh, we got a 15-gear dump truck. Not kidding. Put a chain around the base of this little guy. We're going to get you. We, we pulled that thing, it was, and we were laying rubber in 15 gears in that lady's driveway. And the things are smoking, you know, and the, the tires were smoking, and the thing, it wouldn't budge. Why don't you pop out of there right now when we want you to? It's not moving. So what we figured out was, duh, it had a tap root. It had, a, it had peripheral roots, but it had one root that went straight down. And you couldn't, what we had to do was we had to bend that baby over so much and then take that axe, a sharp one by, by, you know, and hit it and it popped right out. You had to break that tap root. Notice what he is saying here about us. He says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. In other words, our taproot of our life needs to be driven down into the Word of God so deep that when the storms, and you know what storms are about here in South Florida, especially this area, you know, when those hurricanes come, what don't move? Those that have strong root systems. And notice what he says. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. This is the rivers of water for us. We plant our lives and let the taproot drive deep down that it, nothing shake it, shakes us when the storms of life come. 
Now it might blow and it might be hard and it might hurt a little bit and all those kinds of things, but you are solidly fixed. And I love it when the psalmist says, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. And so this is exactly what it is. That we fix our lives and the taproot of our lives drives down to the rivers of water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of water, Jesus said. Come to me, everybody that's thirsty. And so this is what we do. We've got a Bible. We've got Bibles on our iPhones. We've got Bibles all over the place. We can have Bible. You can set a thing and a little Bible text comes up and says, Hey, how you doing? You know, meditate on me. You can do these kinds of things. Planted by the rivers of water. And then notice what it says, that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither. It's interesting. Fruit. Jesus talks about fruit in John 15. He talks about us bearing fruit. And specifically the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc. John Galatians 5, 22 and 23, read those. It's an exceptional, you'll be blessed your socks right off. Oh, how happy he had made me. Right? This is exactly what we want. This is exactly what you want as a Christian, isn't it? I mean, you became, you trusted Christ as your personal Savior because you said to yourself, my life without him is a dog. It's terrible. It's horrible, right? As well as, I'm going to spend eternity in the lake of fire if I don't trust in Christ. Two great motivations. Right? Now that we're Christians, let's not abandon that and start standing in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of the scornful and walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They didn't give us any hope before. Why do we think it's going to give us hope now? Where the Word of God is our only source of strength. The Word of God is our only source of, of fruit. And then notice what he says, And the leaf shall also not wither. It will not fade away. It will not fall away. It's not a dry rot. It's not going to do that. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And the beautiful thing about this, is this is what God would have us to do if we want to have a beautiful, blessed life. Oh, I'm not talking about beautiful, blessed life with marbled countertops. I'm not talking about that. He's not talking about beautiful, blessed life with perfect skin. He's not talking about beautiful, blessed life with hair on your head. He's definitely not talking about that. <laughs> because if I was waiting to be happy with this face and this head... Hmm. enough said. But the thing about it is, my dear friends, I want to be, oh, how very happy. This is what I want. But notice verse 4, the ungodly are not so. The ungodly are not so. And the Lord, verse 6, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. They will eventually perish. Read Psalm 37. Read Psalm 73. Look at these, these Psalms and talk. they talks about what the ungodly will ultimately do. We get, we get jealous of people. We look at LeBron James and we say, this is fantastic. What a lifestyle. Wish I was as rich as him. No, you don't. You really, 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 really don't. Because if you have Jesus, you are 
So rich, it's incredible. You are rich now. Oh, I, I would like to see some money. <laughs> well, I want to tell you something. You just want a little bit more. That's all you want. You want a little bit more. So I look at this, and we need to look at the right posture, the rich program, and the resultant prosperity. We need to have these three marks in our lives. We need to have these three marks in our lives. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when we, there was a man, and he was a British Tommy. You know what a British Tommy is? How many know what a British Tommy is? A British Tommy, I talked to a guy named Paul today. He was from Britain. He was from England. And cool accent, too. I love that. Yeah, how are you today, Chris? My name is Paul. Oh, yes. You know, it was really, we had a nice conversation today, too. We really did. And, uh, but a British Tommy was a, a soldier in World War II. They called them Tommies. The American troops called the British forces Tommies. I don't know why. They just did. And you now this, this, this British soldier, it was a Tommy. They called him a Tommy. And uh, he had just gotten back, just gotten back from the fields, from the fighting in France. And he had blood and mud caked on his uniform, and he had his bag with him, his, all of his belongings and his weapon and his helmet, and he was in the middle of London. He gets on a bus during World War II. He gets on a bus, and he must have been self-conscious because he gets on a bus, and he could feel, and he took his bag, put it on the thing above the seats, and he took his weapon, put it up there, and he's just caked. I mean, you know, he's just caked with this. And he could feel everybody looking at him. He just felt like everybody was staring at him. It was his stop to get off. He gets up, takes his bag and his weapon. He makes his way to the door. And he stands at the door and he just couldn't take it anymore. And he turns to those people on the bus and he said, what are you looking at? And then he got kind of angry. He said, what are you looking at? And a shaky, shaky elderly hand puts his, the guy puts his hand on the Tommy's forearm. And he said this, we're looking at you, Tommy, because you're the only one worth looking at. And the scars and the blood and the mud and the grime of Calvary he extended his arms, took the crown of thorns, was beaten and smashed and ripped apart. He is the only one worth looking at. And may I add, serving. And he says to you, Oh, how very happy. Amen. Father, help us, we pray. Help us, we pray. And forgive us when we have gone the way of the world, which is so empty. Help us to serve you. Thank you for you've given us everything to serve you and encourage us and bless we ask you to do that in our lives. We give you our lives right now in Jesus' name. Amen.